Hello and welcome to Blurry Photos. I am David Flora. And I am David Stecco. And uh, we will be bringing you some paranormal, weird, unique, all kinds of crap right in your face. Right? I mean, all that's up in your grill, yeah. All up in there. Things of the paranormal, cryptozoology, the unexplained, UFOs, Mysterious. people who vote Republican. Yep, all that stuff. Because uh, we enjoy that, and we thought uh, it would be a, a good service to everyone if we just <laughs> got some of that information out there, got some of that disinformation out of there. Yeah, we decided that you deserve it. Well, you do deserve it. You yeah. look you look great. <laughs> uh, right. You look terrific. You, you look now terrific. let's talk about ghosts. <laughs> uh, so uh, this is our, our first episode, and uh, we decided to focus on... The one, the only, Aleister Crowley in this episode. Uh, a lot of people don't know who he is, what he did. And we, uh, we thought we'd uh, tell you a little bit about him so you are that much more informed, by gosh. Yeah, I mean, and you're, you're going to be surprised at the, the unseen hand Mr. Crowley has had in your life. You don't even know the things he's set in motion that are actually guiding you on a day-to-day basis. It's true. He's, he's stuck his hands and other things in many, many a pot. As it were. Um, So, Aleister Crowley, born uh, in uh, 1875. Uh, He's English. His birth name, Edward Alexander Crowley. He actually changed that to Aleister in 1895 because he hated Alec, which was the name that uh, his mother would call him. Uh, He thought Alexander was too long and he didn't feel like an Edward. Apparently. <laughs> <laughs> so he took the E from Edward, put it into an otherwise normally serviceable Alistair. <laughs> the funny thing about that is he changed his name because, according to him, he, he, um, what he, from what he read, the most favorable name for becoming famous was one that was consisting of a dactyl followed by a spondee, for all you grammar nerds out there. A dactyl being a long syllable followed by two short syllables, and a spondee being two long syllables <clears throat> uh and that's just uh, stick around we're gonna get to the good stuff in a second it'll it'll be it'll you by the way you you still look great more, um, more dactyls and spondies boing. <laughs> uh so alistair was also the gaelic form of, of alexander and and all that culminated into his ideal uh for for having a name so he changed it to alistair and names were something that were weirdly a big deal with him yeah. He, he changed, he operated under aliases, the names of his children, oh, his gosh. wives, his girlfriends, everyone had pseudonyms, extronyms. He, he was a, a very prolific writer and had a ton of, of pen names and, and other names that he published under things like that, uh, which, which we won't go over because it's, the, the list is uh, longer than a, a, a blue heron. That's a very long list. So, uh... And, and also, I, I now, uh, I'm not going to say that I've read any of this stuff, but there's a huge body of gothic poetry. I think it's Lonely Britishman. Erotica. Po- yeah. Lonely Britishman poetry. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, when you hear the name, and if, if you're familiar at all with him, then you probably think uh, the old stereotypical wickedest man in the world, which is what one newspaper uh, called him. At one point, uh, and um, he never called himself that, uh, but he he did like the shock value of of going against the grain, as it were. Yeah, I don't like, think he was. I mean, I, I don't think it hurt his feelings to have someone call him the wickedest man in the world. It's it's 
you know, like if someone says you're the hardest, rockinest son of a bitch we've ever met, yeah, that person's not going to cry about it. No, maybe they don't think that's entirely accurate. Maybe that's no. not how they describe themselves to their girlfriend's mothers. <laughs> well, speaking of mothers, his his mother actually called him the Beast, which he actually <laughs> reveled in. Yeah! The Beast. Um, he, he loved it. He loved it. And speaking of, of family, also, he was born to a very Christian family. Uh, his father was a, a born a Quaker at the time, but then converted to an even more conservative Plymouth Brethren, in particular the Exclusive Brethren. They were like uh, super Protestants. Yeah, because it's it's easy to take a look at those Quakers and their freewheeling lifestyles yeah. and say no, nope, I was meant for something more, more austere. <laughs> but his father, uh, his father who who traveled around um, preaching, he he died when uh, Alistair was eleven, which kind of had a, a big effect on, on Alistair because he was pretty f- close to his father. Uh, and then all he was left with was this mother who called him the Beast. And that's that's probably not the healthiest thing to grow up with. Yeah, now, did she not like him? Or was it like, like oh, he's just the Beast? I, I think it was that she didn't like him. I don't think that he was, you know, like this awesome roller coaster or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, and this is, this is you know, the, at this point, the 1880s. I don't think that... Like cool, ironic nicknames right. for children was not in vogue at the time. Yeah, the the one thing also that ha- that he got from his father's death was this inheritance because his family uh, ran a, a brewery basically, and and he got this um, inherited fortune from that, which I guess wouldn't wouldn't come to fruition until he was what twenty one or something like something so, like so that. So he's a hardcore Quaker um, beer magnate. Ooh. Quaker turned pro- even more Protestant beer back then. Yeah, yeah, all right. A life of contradictions. Sure, <laughs> sure. So <laughs> the thing thing was with his mother. His mother started putting him, you know, in all these Christian schools and, and things like that. He he became more and more skeptical about Christianity, pointing out you know inconsistencies in the Bible and I don't know uh, logical stuff about well, I, and things I think, like that. You know, I think he was also uh, given a health a healthy dose of, you know, what was very common at the time. You know, this is Victorian England. You know, he's getting plenty of repression. You know, occasionally he might have seen an ankle or a wrist. Oh my gosh. And and I think that, you know, and it was actually in his diary, he even mentioned uh, how the, the thing, that, like so many good Christian soldiers, the thing that undid him was sweet, sweet sex. Oh, of course. The day the day he lost his virginity was the day he turned his back on Jesus forever. <laughs> oh, if I had a nickel. Um, <laughs> not not if I heard anything, just yeah. if I had a nickel. I just, I, I I just want a nickel, nickel right now. Um, yeah, it, it, was, it was kind of a thing that he did to get back at his mother. It, sin was something that he... he Played into as, as a form of revenge, you know, for for his mother being so such a hardcore something. Yeah, and, and not to mention, you know, even when you're in junior high and you tell a girl, yeah, even my mom calls me the beast, <laughs> you are going to score. Yeah, you're you, you're, you're going to get somewhere. You're going to get on work. some base on, yeah. on that one because there was no less goth kids or or you know weirdos back then than there are now. Statistically, there was the same number in each class. True. True. It's just grown with time mm-hmm. as, as the population has. Um, and the, the funny thing is, well, when he finally went to, um, went to college, he went, he went to university, he was accepted to uh, Trinity College in Cambridge, uh, I think the year was 1895. He, he just embraced sex with just random girls and prostitutes and pretty much whatever he can stick his wing in. So he went to college. So he went to college. Yep. <laughs> uh, and then he, he published uh, the, um, 
<laughs> some erotica poems uh, under the title White Stains. <laughs> <laughs> he is to keep it real subtle. Yeah. So they oh, is he talking about sex? I don't know, I man. I don't know. It's no, it's called white stains. Nope. White stains. Uh, white stains, New York. Um, <laughs> but he did that in 1898, and of course, to get around, because uh, it was illegal to do that in in Britain at the time, he he did that in uh, other another country, published it. Well, sex was illegal in Britain. You had to go to to British controlled India at the time to top, to copulate. It was right. A problem. And even then, I think <laughs> you had to get a vicar involved. Yeah. Or something. <laughs> so he 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 was able to do that. He was just totally into into sex. Um, and had his first homosexual experience uh, in 1896, which kind of set him on the path to occultism in a way. He he started having like a mystical experience, I guess during during that or after it. I now because it's important that people understand the depth of research that I do. <laughs> Wikipedia lists Mr. Crowley as not being. Uh, homosexual, heterosexual, or even bisexual. They're giving him this huge bump up by listing him as pansexual. Pansexual. Yeah, I, which, it, it takes it up a notch. I it, think I think what it says is there's an asterisk on the menu that says please ask for the market price on anything else you can think of. <laughs> You'll have sex with men, women, animals, and kitchen appliances. And, and whatever else you might happen upon. <laughs> pansexual, and, and That'll that'll come into play later uh, in his life, but uh, like I said, he began uh, reading about occultism and mysticism around that time uh, in the late late eighteen hundreds, eighteen nineties, almost the turn of the century, nineteen hundred, and he was he was actually expelled from uh, that Cambridge uh, University for catching gonorrhea from a prostitute. Whoops, a daisy. Oopsies. So that's uh, that's kind of funny. It's it's a funny thing to be expelled, expelled for. Yeah. yeah how does how does that how does word of that even get out? Oh man. Well, that's one of the things with Victorian era. It's like everybody is gossiping like it's nobody's business, right? Yeah, but if you get a dose of the clap, is that the clap? Got to the clap, right? Pretty much. Okay, you get the clap. I mean, it's not like you're telling a lot of folks. I they can hear it probably. Yeah, that's true. I mean, and, and since you know, there's not a lot of antibiotics available. I mean, but maybe people just figure it out because you're walking weird. I don't know. <laughs> you know what? We'll we'll have to do more research. Yeah, well, but sorry, <laughs> sorry, we didn't research gonorrhea enough for this. Oh man, moving on, <laughs> moving on. <laughs> so, um, so then after after getting uh, his taste of of some occultism and things, he. Um, he gets into this uh, uh, fraternity, this secret uh, society, if you will, uh, known as the Golden Dawn, and that happens in 1898. He was initi- initiated into the Outer Order of the Golden Dawn. The Golden Dawn was a magical order uh, in Great Britain, which uh, practiced theurgy, which was uh, practice of rituals, and they were performed with the intention of invoking action or the presence of gods. But how many of those were there? Because, I mean, like, every... You couldn't swing a dead cat between, like, 1800 and 1900 in England without there being a secret society and off a sect of the Masons. Yep. You know, like... And, and dead cats were being swung the with Hellfire a Hellfire clubs happening, you know. Like, there's there was so much of that stuff going on. And 
I mean, was it was it just like rich board aristocracy? That's a thing. Like it it was. I mean, for this one at least, it was exclusive upper class people that were getting into it. Because um, working class people have better things to do at their time. Like work. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> not, like like not, not take... starve to death. Yeah. <laughs> um, Scurvy's still a threat at this time. <laughs> not crossed off the list yet. So. Yeah, everything was a threat at this time. Looking outside out the window was a threat. (laughs) But people like uh, W.B. Yates were in this thing. Uh, Bram Stoker, who I... Before before researching this a little bit, I had no idea that Bram Stoker was Irish. Go figure. Yeah. I I guess I thought he was Transylvanian. Yeah. (laughs) I don't know. I thought he was Transylvanian. (laughs) (laughs) So Bram Stoker, Irish author... um, was was in the the Golden Dawn, uh, and it was it had other intellectuals and artists of the day uh, in there. And this is when he started embracing that beast title that his mother bestowed on him, and began calling himself the Beast Six Six Six. Now, was is this were, were these borders? Were these the counterculture to the repressive Protestant uh, environment, or or was this just concurrent with it? I mean, you know, the same way uh, current. Uh, Masonic rites, you know, these are still church-going guys, but then they'll, you know, put on a robe and, and mm-hmm. do secret handshakes. Did it did it run concurrent with or or in opposition to the the, the yeah. established church of the time? I mean, I'm going to go with in opposition to, given all the weird. The, shit. Th- the thing is, it, I think it's very much in opposition because they were all about um, science as a form of of spiritual awakening and spiritual awakening as a form of science kind of thing blending the two mm-hmm. to get the logic and the um basically bettering humanity through spiritual um awakening kind of stuff whereas they felt they felt like what whatever was going on at the time religious or or government wise was oppressing people. So yeah, I think it was definitely in opposition to Cause, that. Because there are photographs of him back in that time, and you know they're they're wearing this consistently sort of Egyptian headdress style mm-hmm. of robe, which is, was I guess before lab coats were invented. This is we're doing science. <laughs> get my get my lion pelt. <laughs> get my cape and cowl. <laughs> Well, science during the day, crime fighting at night. Where's my metric scepter? (laughs) Um, But and the the funny thing is, even with with all that, he he thought that they weren't taking their magic seriously enough. And and the uh, the Golden Dawn practiced magic spelled M A G I C K. You know, not not David Copperfield magic, where you make a tank disappear. And you actually have to put a pinky out and uh, adopt some sort of accent when you say it with the CK. Right. Ma- magic. Magic. Oh. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. I don't know. You have <laughs> to be George funny. Takei to say yeah, it. Exactly. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, so uh, he thought that they weren't taking it seriously, so he kind of, I don't know, kind of got disillusioned with it. There were some rifts that were going on, some infighting in there anyway, so the Golden Dawn kind of um, fell apart in a way. He he kind of left. You know, it was, it was kind of like one of these... All right, this is this is done for and now. He was, he was in the the third, the outermost order at this time of the he, Golden Dawn. He was he was in, in an he was like in the mail room. He was the entry level. Well, he he did that, and then he got in good good friends with one of the uh, uh, the founders, yeah. and, you know, the leaders of of the Golden Dawn, who then kind of bumped him up in the in the hierarchy, middle management, and. <laughs> um, and 
it, it kind of that's what helped the rift because the the guy I think his last name was Mathers or Mather maybe uh, he uh, he bumped him up with without the consent of I don't know you know it, it, it was one of these like backdoor oh I'm I'm getting out of here so here's one of the fingers that I'm gonna you know yeah. give to everybody else uh, Alistair Crowley now uh, you know eighth level to, uh, now he's your initiate. boss yeah. <laughs> enjoy the break room bitches <laughs> <laughs> so. Um, so that that all kind of fell apart, um, but Alistair still wanted to do magic. He he really put you know a, a lot of effort into this, and he turned to, mostly to to black magic to to do it as well. And he, I mean, in reading all about this guy, I mean he he did everything just just to the nth degree. Like he he was not going to hold back whatever whatever he was going to do. He was going to do it right. You know what I mean? And he wanted to do this particular spell uh, called the Abra Melon, uh, which was <laughs> it was this six month ritual, and what it, it, it was uh, I think basically to master demons. It, it, it was this real. It, it was something that if you talked about it to other people who who even, who practiced even a little black magic, they were like, "No, dude, I, I'm not. I'm not going to touch that. That stuff is not not for me." Uh, so he, so he was pretty hardcore. He, he, he was, was hardcore. genuinely his father's son in this, in that he found his faith and then was like, "And all you guys aren't doing it right." Yeah, and uh, and so he used some of this uh, inheritance fortune to purchase uh, a house in Scotland, uh, actually on the shores of Loch Ness, and the house is uh, Boleskine House, is what it's called. And he started this this Abramelin spell. The six month ritual, and it was something that, that pretty much, I mean, you have to have an iron will and like uh, a husky pulling a, a dog sled to to do this thing. It would it took up so much time. But where, like, I mean, I mean this is a, a great subject for the discussion. But like, where does this come from? Where did he Where did he find it? Oh, yeah, you know, that's from from what I read. It, it was stuff that people had either. Put together, you know, since this order had had begun, they're like, "Oh, here's some spells, you know, we're we're gonna we're gonna put this together. Here, here's some things that we're gonna do, and uh, and maybe some some junk from you know other cultures." <laughs> do you think they? I mean, could you kind of game it and be like, you know, like the the what is it called the milk gallon challenge? We try to make a gallon look like in an hour. The, yeah, you do the milk gallon challenge. Every day for three months, and you'll summon a and, demon. And there's a demon. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like the it's de- sort of ostensibly the demon possible. Is, is your bowels coming out of right. you? <laughs> You're summoning a demon every day, twenty minutes after the challenge. <laughs> but, I, mean, I, do, do I they, don't know. That's it's... the thing. Do you think they? I mean, there's no way to know. But I, I just, I get the feeling like you make up something that is just so onerous that no one, everyone's like, oh, I'm just not going to do it. But no, at the end of that, yeah, you get a demon. It's it's true, and that's a very good point. It's like these spells have to come from somewhere, and I don't think that there was like books like around in other cultures that <laughs> had like here's how to summon demons, here's how to bake a cake, you know, here's here are all these magic spells that you, you can do. Summon lactose intolerance. <laughs> uh, and the funny thing is, with the spell, he got bored of it. It 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 got to be too much for him. He broke it off before ending. Um, one of the one of the interesting little facts about that is incompletion of the Abramelon was uh, said to lead to demonic possession after that. So it could be said that when he broke that off, all hell broke loose, kind of literally. 
Or, or I mean, but, so that's what you get at the end of that? No, no, that's, if you, if you don't complete it, that's what you get. Oh, okay. I thought that, like, that was your great reward for six for months of toil. Being, being possessed. Yeah, you get to crawl upside down on ceilings. And, and puke pea yeah, soup, yeah. Exactly. No, no, it was, uh, that, yeah. He, so he, he didn't actually uh, end that. So he was halfway hardcore in that respect. But, I mean, you can't blame the guy for, you know, having to get up at like 3 a.m. every day, do some incantations, and probably, what, I, I think he ate like only bread, drank only water. I, it, it's like worse than... than prison? Prison. <laughs> well, obviously worse than prison these days. But after he did that, he, uh, uh, he actually met Rose Kelly, who was who ended up being his first wife, uh, he married her pretty much immediately and then loved her. That's how you did it in Victorian yeah, uh, England but anyway. Not? But uh, they honeymooned in Egypt. Uh, now Rose, uh, apparently Rose didn't have anything to do with the occult or any mysticism, any anything like that. Um, <laughs> That's got to be particularly bad Victorian luck. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think his chances were were pretty pretty slim at finding somebody yeah, that's like similar know, interest. You know, when you're the guy who gets kicked out of Cambridge for 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 the for clap, and then oh, I bought the house so that I could be more hardcore than my wizard friends. <laughs> words probably out. Yeah, I imagine that she probably was not in the the the, the highest of esteem of her peers either. <laughs> but um, apparently, when they when they went on their honeymoon in Egypt, she started getting. From uh, she didn't know where she was. She was getting um, uh, a, one particular message that said they are waiting for you, and she kept telling him that uh, as you know, someone was talking through her to him, saying they are waiting for you, and it was it even kind of freaked him out a little bit because he was like, "What? You're you're not of this world, you know?" I like that you're trying to share my interests, but you're freaking me out. Yeah, it's <laughs> like we you you you've not done any of this, and and now you're trying to. <laughs> To, to jump in here, this is this is kind of weird, but she kind of uh, I don't know proved proved it to him by they they uh, going to they went to a museum, an Egyptian museum there where they had all these artifacts and, yeah, yeah, and yeah. all this stuff. She she apparently made a beeline for this one um, exhibit and pointed it out, saying, "This is Horus. This is the Egyptian god Horus." This is who's saying this message, you know, wanting me to, to give this to, to you. And then he noticed that the exhibit number was number 666. What? So, yeah, he, he totally um, was on board at that point. They went back to the hotel room and then he started hearing this voice, uh, which, which then dictated what came to be his, his uh, Bible for this uh, movement that he started called Philema. And uh, he dictated... What, what was called the Book of the Law, uh, and this entity's started, started name... wearing mir- mirrored aviators. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, grew a beard. This, uh, this entity's name was Iwas, uh, apparently, and it was, it was something that Crowley... He didn't it, even know what it was. He didn't right? know what it was. Yeah. He, he kind of pictured something in, in his mind's eye of, of what, it, what it may be, but it was like a voice that was like coming out of the corner of the room over his left shoulder... Get, you know, telling him writing, telling him to write this book, which he did. Among other things, it, it told him all kinds of of instructions to do and 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 things like that. And so, when when you're finally, you know, you you've spent your years dabbling in the mysteries of the great beyond, trying to contact spirits. So when a, when a spirit makes itself known to you, 
and says, I have a plan for you. I have some things I need you to do mm -hmm. to usher in the new age. What do you do with that information? When you're when you're Aleister Crowley, you're the beast. You're you're the hardest core wizard Britain has to offer. <laughs> and finally, this is your big break. You're getting called to the major leagues. You've got an astral guide. You've got you got a, a, a wife lead. now that you got a wife who's down. Who's she's down she's it. she's translating <laughs> the word of Horus to you, and you've got this this mystical awas telling you, giving you exact directions. David Flora. What do, what does Aleister Crowley then do once the path is laid before him? He says, "Meh." <laughs> yeah. I don't think so. <laughs> he says, "Too much, too much." Uh, I think I'll try something else here. Man, Maybe I've yoga. Already, I've already done that. Like serious, like work magic. <laughs> uh, it's just boring. It's like it's like worse than a job. <laughs> so and he does. He literally uh, takes up yoga. And, and goes uh, to Indian with a friend of his whom he went through the, the Golden Dawn, uh, Alan Bennett, and starts practicing kind of hardcore yoga at the time. Now, and, and he just he just lets Awas twist. He's just like, hey, thanks for the heads up. Duly noted. <laughs> We're working that through committee right now. I've got this big trip to India coming up. So when I get back, we'll, you know, we'll see what I can do about your new era and the ushering in thereof. Yeah. Which is, I have to say, is one of the things that actually makes me, that's the one of the most credible points of the life and times of Aleister Crowley. Like, that, that is how a genuine human being interprets the word of God when it's given to him. That sounds like a Gosh, ton of work. That's a lot. You and I have this vacation planned in India. <laughs> oh, man. So, um... So, so the the book of the law gets gets written, and and after that he he decides that's that's an, enough of that. But you know, still still is like I'll take what I've done because it's a ton of work, and and I'm not gonna do it for nothing. Uh, and he goes ahead and starts uh, starts his own magical order there. Just just founds another mystical church. Just founds it. Uh, that actually that's a a little bit that's a few years down the line, but. In the midst of all this, you know, he he goes to uh, he also goes to China. You know, he's he's got the money, whatever. He 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 likes traveling. He doesn't care. The the thing about Crowley that you that you you should understand, the man does a ton of things. He he's prolific in uh, as a writer. He's obviously an occultist. He loves mountain climbing. He's a he's a huge mountaineer. Loves the outdoors. He's an artist. He he's a chess master. I mean, that's that's one of the things we didn't touch on in university. He thought there for for a hot minute that he was going to be the world champion in chess, and he he jumped into the Cambridge chess team and was like, "Hey, president of the chess club, uh, you're beat, checkmate." And then and then he he went to um, he went to like one of the world chess matches and saw like all the lamos that apparently. Have devoted their lives lives to chess and was like, you know what? I'm not gonna be I'm not gonna be this lame. I, I've got that. bigger plans to get laid. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So but like, is, I mean, and I mean, you, you, when you describe his life, all I can think of is like, this is why the working class hates the rich. Well, because I mean, they just do whatever. Yeah, exactly. At no point does he have to flip burgers or do any of any of the dues paying. It's with how he. Uh, carried on how can you blame them but uh in china so so anyways he's he's in china here with uh with rose they have a baby girl uh that's his first child out of five his uh he names her nuit ma ahathor hekate sappho jezebel lilith right 
right? Like you do. Well, in, there was a huge, Victoria. huge open space on the birth certificate, and there was a lot of people watching, so he figured he'd put on a show. Right. He's got really good handwriting. <laughs> and uh, and uh, obviously she just uh, they, goes by the name Lilith. Thank God. Because people were, uh, were not dumb. And uh, he, he really wanted a, a boy, and this is kind of a theme that, that goes through his life. He, he's always, you know, trying to, to knock, a, knock a chick up for, a, for a, a boy kid. He's always wanting a boy in there yeah. uh, to carry on the, the old lineage. Is it that he wanted to, I mean, like, was, the way you say it just makes it sound like, oh, if I just had a son, everything would be great, so I'm going to mm. grudgingly keep having sex with all these women until a boy comes along, or he's just really into banging a ton of strange chicks, and then, hey, if he gets a kid out of it, that's what he would prefer. Yeah, I, I think, it, I mean, he's obviously into let's, banging everything that... Let's that, put the sex cart behind yeah. the child horse. <laughs> That's right. And uh, and then cart. have sex with that horse. <laughs> and then that horse. <laughs> no, we're jumping ahead. That was like 20 years <laughs> later. <laughs> but uh, anyways, uh, he, he has this baby girl. They, uh, they're they in China. And then he, of course, takes a mistress in Shanghai. Like, Who doesn't? Like, you know, I, I can't wait till I go to Shanghai. So I did I the same thing much. in Tulsa when I went to visit Tulsa. A little like I Shanghai. took a mistress. A little like that. But uh, <laughs> uh, apparently, you know, that, I don't know, bothered Rose for some reason. You know, his, his her husband having a, having a mistress. The baby, Lilith, uh, contracted typhoid at the time. And that combined with Rose just being kind of distraught by, you know, the whole... I don't know life thing that was going on to her at the time. Yeah, that her life is a toilet. Yeah, the, um, she's been she has put up with an inordinate amount of real hinky stuff up to this point. It's true. And her it's reward true. is terrifying infidelity and typhoid for her baby. And uh, the poor baby dies of typhoid, and she of course turns to the bottle. And Crowley doesn't doesn't care much for how she's acting these days. He's kind of moved on, so he. Uh, divorces her and um, well obviously she goes mad and, and, here's, and here's the fun fact actually he didn't divorce her until her alcoholism she was going to have to be uh, committed and it was mm-hmm. actually killing her she was going to die from it and and what was what was less embarrassing and, and Alistair was I kind of met her halfway on this and mm-hmm. he was like well because it was it was him who initiated the divorce mm-hmm. because finally her alcoholism was getting embarrassing yeah. not not his philandering and his running around in Tutankhamen's headpiece. That stuff's fine. That's all right. It's the fact that she can't stop drinking that's really becoming a problem. But in this kind of like reverse magnanimous moment, he's like, you know what, though? Just tell everyone I've been cheating on you. We'll officially put it down as to my infidelity so as to spare you from the embarrassment of, of being an alcoholic. Which is, I think, at that point called just being British at that point in history. That's, yeah, keeping a stiff upper lip or right. something. Right. Uh, so, yeah, so he actually, they, they filled up the paperwork inciting the reason being Aleister Crowley's uh, infidelity as the reason for the divorce. Mm-hmm. And he, I mean, he didn't care. No. Um, he, he, I mean, in all the things that he did, he's kind of like hit it and quit it. Like, he, he does things uh, to the nth degree, and then he's done with them, and he moves Hardest on. working magician in Britain. <laughs> um and entertainment um <laughs> but uh yeah rose uh rose went mad i think she she died from that in in a in an institution uh, eventually from all that during uh, uh it, it was around this time he uh 
he founds the Argentum Astrum, um, the AA, as, as they would call it. His, so for those order. of you keeping track, this is his third found order or fourth? Well, third, uh, the, fourth that he's been in, third that he's founded. Second, well, no, he didn't found the Golden Dawn. Right. Uh, that was already founded before him. This is the this is actually the the first one that uh, that I mentioned a while ago. He uh, he used uh, the the Book of the Law to to write, and it was um, oh, okay. So this is an offshoot of the first thing. Yeah, yeah. So skipping he, the Yobi years and going straight back. Gotcha. <laughs> sure. This is this is kind of how his life worked too, mm-hmm. by the way. Um, but it was, it's a Thelemic magical uh, fraternity, and of course, you know, it's it's not a it's not a Oh, we we love uh, the devil, and everybody should be murdered. It this is for the pursuit of light and knowledge, obviously. And you know, I, it is worth noting also I, that he one of my favorite parts of researching this was going to um, the Christian conspiracy websites, <laughs> who are, as you might imagine, not big fans of Mister Crowley. Oh, really? Yeah, weirdly enough, um, not huge fans, and they love to talk about how he and like he like one of the websites. The way they they um, phrase it was. He liked to he he indulged in child sacrifice like one would indulge in chocolate. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, you know, it's going to go straight to my head. But yeah, I'll bleed that kid out. <laughs> but he actually, in truth, of fact, um, even in in his lesser magical rituals that required blood or animal sacrifice, really he avoided it at all yeah. cost, and only uh, only very rarely would actually. Uh, uh, sacrifice an animal. He was actually very much against it. It, it really skeeved him out, and he, so that was something that he had, that he always avoided at all costs. He still did it occasionally, yeah. but it's not something he was terribly down with, which the, I thought was surprising. The, well, yeah, the weird thing is, I mean, there, there's a ton of stuff on on Aleister Crowley, and and of course we're not going to touch on probably even half of it. You know, all said and done, we're, we're going to try to give you you know a, a little portrait of of him. Um, a sexy portrait. Maybe he's going to be on a chaise lounge. Sure, like one of your French girls. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, it, it's uh, the the stuff that that I found anyway. Half of it was saying, you know, oh, he's yeah, he he's not into to this much sacrifice, not not human sacrifice, you know, very little animal sacrifice and things like that. The other half is. I, I guess it must be biased or something, because it, it is like, oh man, he just went out and killed a kid a day, he, he mm-hmm. killed goats for dinner, and you know, and uh, had a dog that he, he had sex with after he killed it, and uh, I mean, it's like, half the stuff says he was against it. And I saw it. the dog, and the half dog waved at me, it. and it was sad. <laughs> uh, yeah, so, uh, it, it's it's a lot of, lot of stuff to... Uh, to chew on but the as far as the the sacrifice stuff it, it's I, I don't know it, it, it's one of those things where you kind of i think you you had to be there to, <laughs> to, to truly <laughs> say yeah. whether or not this guy indulged in this stuff but when you become like this i mean even at this point he's pretty known for what he's doing i mean he he's able to travel in social circles people mm-hmm. know what what he does what he's into and he's got a small amount of notoriety for it. I mean, he puts together, he he, he uses it to fund his mountain climbing expeditions mm-hmm. that he still mm-hmm. likes to do. And uh, he's he's building this. And when you when when that's your thing, when when you build yourself in Victorian England as the B six six six, and that's what I'm that's what I do. Mm-hmm. You're going to be a polarizing figure for oh, a while. Sure. People are going to have an opinion, and it's going to inform everything else you hear about. <laughs> 
which it's, it's, which is exactly what happened. So of course you're, you're going to get a ton of contradictory information, and and one of the beauties of doing this is that I just pick and choose whatever I feel like. Yeah, that's what I do. Yeah, and uh, the thing about this is he really played that up too because uh, I read a lot of stuff that that said he he very much played into that idea that people had of him in order to shock people. And if if you were not in you know even close to his intelligence, he would just play you like a fiddle, you know, saying saying shocking things, doing all this stuff to to really get a, a rise out of you. And you know if he could use it for monetary gain, sure, why not? So that that was one of the the kind of huckster things that I think we <laughs> yeah we, we were we, talking about Americanizing <laughs> exactly yeah exactly again when you when you bill yourself as as, as the, the the greatest occultsman you, you have to you have you have to do what every other person who is of any faith and relying on it you have to find a way to to be able to pay your rent with it. yeah um, so in the uh, the AA. Um, which Argentium Astrum, I don't know if I mentioned this, uh, that, that's Latin for silver star. They, uh, it, w- it was based a lot on, on the Golden Dawn in that it had uh, 11 grades of orders uh, in, in yeah, rank. inside ranks, hierarchy. Um, and the, the prep stage and, and two of the three orders that, um, that they had the, the little subsections for were from the Golden Dawn itself. So it wasn't, you know, it wasn't totally like... Oh, I you know here's this this fresh idea that's on the world that we're going to change the world with. Which and it's weird because when I first read that, when I read about him founding these things, and oh, well, he took portions of the the Golden Dawn. At first, that just seemed lazy and and hucksters. Like, but on the other hand, if you look at it from his perspective, that he thinks he's doing a form of scientific research. Yeah, he thinks that he and so. Why wouldn't you take established practices by other scientists that you have already worked with mm-hmm. and said, well, I got really great results from these experiments, so of course I'll incorporate them. But sure. I'm, I'm pushing the boundaries of science. And every time for this entire podcast I say science, I hope you hear the asterisk at the end <laughs> And at the end of the podcast, I have to say asterisk, not actually science. <laughs> Disclaimer. Yeah, it was, uh, it's also, he, he was... Um, <laughs> He was a Freemason as well. Well, um, of course he was. Because, you know, who Why wasn't? Why not? But uh, that, that was also a, kind of a funny thing. Uh, I, I won't get too much in, into that, but that was one of the things where, uh, oh, he, he traveled to Mexico uh, one year and uh, met somebody there that was a Freemason. And this, this guy was actually high-ranking and was like, you know what? You're a 33-degree Mason now. And, and then, like, the Scot, the actual Scottish Rite Masons were like, you know, oh, this this guy's kind of crazy. We're not going to... Oh, gonna... oh, boy. Yeah. You did that in Mexico! Hi, you done that count! You've done that count, laddie! You can't do that! No, no, this guy's crazy! We do not like your Tijuana Masons! <laughs> so, all, all, the, all these ranks that he was attaining in Mason, in Freemasonry pretty much didn't count, you know, uh, because the, the action, the, the, the core group were rejecting them right and left. But even the other things that he belonged in, even the, the Golden Dawn, I mean, everything that he's been a part of, he, he sort of self promotes himself or at no point does he attain a level that which everyone has a a cake and high fives waiting for him at the end. (laughs) There's always a weird caveat or a, well, this was going on. So he slipped in. He's got all these weird, quote-unquote, accomplishments, but they're 
mostly self-administered or or at least under weird circumstances that you know yeah they're like they're like world records for sprints that all have the asterisk at the end you know? <laughs> a performance enhancing uh yeah, initiation exactly so. he's the lance armstrong of the occult <laughs> <laughs> too soon um, <laughs> so uh so anyways after uh, after the china um stuff he this was about 1907 he meets this guy named victor neuberg and um he becomes a disciple of crowley he's kind of infatuated with you know uh, everything crowley's done up to this point and neuberg is basically subjected to some pretty hardcore sadistic acts through his time just you know in order to <laughs> promote himself from lackey to Initiate. He was an intern. He was an intern. And he had to do all the worst things and not get paid. Oh man! So they they actually went uh, to Algeria to um, perform this one uh, magical ritual to summon the demon Karanzan. I don't know if you've brushed up on your uh, demons or not, but Karanzan is don't pretty much me. yeah is pretty much the devil. Uh, in 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 those circles, for all intents and purposes, he's like the number one demon. Don't mess with me. What are you doing? You you can't even say my name, demon. But then why? Why and not? That's 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 Crowley. Like you know what? That's <laughs> ha- the name, that's the name of our Alistair Crowley sitcom. That's Crowley. <laughs> that's Crowley. <laughs> that's our Crowley. Um, it was it was one of those things where it's like, well, everybody's too scared to do it let's do it bro let's do it bring it let's go out to the desert with hashish and just summon this this demon because every other wizard's too big of a pussy to bring this guy on board so um of course you know around this time they're like uh well, well around this time crowley's like the the only way to really do any of this magic correctly is through sex magic yeah, you know, how old is Crowley at this point? He's he's in his thirties, forties, forties, forties. Yeah, because yeah, I this is my theory from what I've read on this that like there was Crowley. I mean, he sex obviously had a huge impact on his life. Yeah, um, and I think that I think that if you did a statistical analysis of people who are cult leaders or that kind of personality, that there's there's this constant shift, and it doesn't surprise me in the forties or fifties. When, when maybe the looks are starting to go, maybe the charm is starting to shift, suddenly it's spiritually important for you to have sex with me. Oh, that's it. And, and I mean, you can't, you, I guess you can't blame the guy, but, you know, I, well, there's such a, a, a constant, like, this is such a constant theme in, yeah. in cults that, yeah, no, the, uh, the old dudes... Uh, totally get to have sex with the young. It's not my rules. That's God's that's rules. That's not my rules. No. That's what um, Don't the voice me. in my head told me. And that's this is what I actually am going to do. This isn't yeah. like all those chores I had to do. And before. Uh, if you don't do it, you're going to hell. Right. So, so I don't know. Sex with me or hell? Yeah. You you pick. I'm not going to decide yeah. for you. I'm not your. You know. Um, of course, uh, Victor Newberg went mad after mm-hmm. that. You know, soon after, um, Crowley kind of threw him to the side, kind of like he. <laughs> he's done with with most people he he came across. He's like, yeah. uh, we're done with this. Um, and then while they were out there, the uh, Crowley wrote the Vision and the Voice, which is another um, piece of writing that that uh, 
is out there for him. So if you're keeping track at home, that is uh, two people. <laughs> he has now driven mad. And uh, um, two two writings, at least. Yeah. Which I think there were some in, in between there. Like I said, we're not going to touch on everything. Cause Books it's of just... poetry and whatnot. <laughs> and so, uh, so it was around this time he traveled to uh, New York. And uh, he's really getting into the sex, sex magic stuff. And um, when, you, when you're into sex magic, ain't but one city on earth to go, the Big Apple. That's right, because uh, I guess Las Vegas was around at the time, but probably not. I don't think it was prolific. It wasn't. No, I don't think there was any Las Vegas. And there was a whole. There was like that that stock footage of a tumbleweed and a bleached cow skull. They had that tape to like a. Yeah. What was what can what they considered a plant at the yeah. time? Um. So uh, so yeah, he's in New York, and the funny thing about this is he <laughs> he tried to help the the British army because this is. You know, around World War One was uh, uh, you know getting getting on its feet and starting to um, be a thing in the yeah. world. Um, he that World War starting to catch. You know, on. the old World War. <laughs> he he was uh, not admitted into the British Army. Basically, he in they didn't want any of his help. So, so wait, I'm sorry. The British Army didn't want a pansexual mystic. Sorry, wow. I mean, they didn't. It's their that's, funeral. I mean, that's what they said. Um, so he decided to help out the Germans, but at, at the same time, this was, uh, this was all tongue in cheek, I think, cause he, he wrote propaganda while in America, uh, about the, the German, uh, army and that, that whole machine that was coming to power, but it was so silly. Like he was writing something, I think they said to, uh, to a Zeppelin, like he wrote a letter to a Zeppelin being like, Hey, you, uh, you missed my, this, this jerk's house that, you know, I, I grew up with and was, was a complete jackass to me. Here's the actual address. Can you please turn around and, and bomb it one more time? He, he was writing this sort of stuff. So it was kind of like, well, this is kind of making Germany look like an idiot. So was he working for so he was kind the of British Andy intelligence? Kaufmaning the whole thing. Yeah, it was, it was sort of like that. And um, another little tidbit about that was Ian Fleming... Uh, of of the James Bond fame, uh, Ian Ian Fleming tried to get the the government to hire have, him. Yeah, yeah, to hire him to have help from him, uh, and they were like, no, no, you know. And he tried a couple times to get. That was, more, that was the World War Two era because of Hitler's interest in the occult, and right. they were trying to. They're like, oh, where where where'd we, where'd we put that occult guy? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know? Ru- Rudolf Hess. They're like, he's he's kind of an idiot. Let's see if he'll you know if he'll talk to to Crowley about this. But they they said no, and and that was I mean, there there are some theories that he was kind of a, a secret agent for MI uh, five, I think it was yeah. at the time. But, but then he went to Mexico and got promoted to MI six. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and they were like, no, laddie, laddie, we don't do that. It doesn't work. That you way. cannot do that. You keep telling me that's not true. Oh, it's on there, you double O eight, are you? <laughs> No, I didn't think so. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> no. So, uh, anyways, while he was in New York, he he met um, he met uh, a girl named Leah Hersig. Uh, had a baby girl with her, right? Like he does. You know, uh, this this baby uh, actually this this baby was named L- uh, Lola Zaza, and the. <laughs> Part of the name, part of the name, came from a mistress that he had at the time, who he's really infatuated with. But oh, like, see, I love that he chose more brevity, but sure. less cog. Like it just makes less sense. Sure, sure. Lolo Zaza. 
And uh, this uh, Leah Hersig, uh, she she was real infatuated with uh, with Crowley. She she would bend over backwards for him. Uh, and she let her thing. child be named Lolo Zaza. Exactly. Hey, I'm uh, I'm really excited. We have this uh, child. I'd like to name her Lola, and I'm also banging this amazing mistress <laughs> named Zaza. Can we throw that in there, or was it the other way around? No, that was right. I think uh, that was right. The yeah. mistress was Zaza. <laughs> I think it had Zaza. But this, yeah, this this woman uh, birthed birthed his child, became his uh, his scarlet woman, or the 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 woman du jour, basically. And uh, she she went so far to to please him as to letting a goat have sex with her while Crowley slit the goat's throat in in its orgasm. I, I this is this is another thing that's like. Did this happen, or is this an, another fact uh, yeah, of Alistair Crowley? I'm, I'm going to call shake a dance on that, and I'll tell you why. Because that is like, that's the kind of thing that you would just make up. <laughs> At least that's the kind of thing I would make up. Is that a poor reflection on me? Like, I was like, oh, I need to make up something completely terrifying. Um, well, uh, we got to have a goat. Yeah. Uh, what's the goat doing? Is it... Uh, well, it was having sex with a girl. Like a human girl? A human oh, girl. I love where you went with human that. Human girl. Okay, all right, that's awesome. Oh my gosh, so what, do, after it's they have sex... not se- enough. After they have sex, do they just get married? Is there, are they No. You know what? At the height of its orgasm... Society would never accept them. Oh my God. We killed a girl. No. We killed a girl. Wait, wait. That's, that's too much. Uh, you're right. You can't murder somebody. No. Kill the goat. Be- Kill the goat. Oh my god, because it's not even illegal to kill a goat. That's so much easier. And thank you for you saving know, me from it's, that. It's cries of ecstasy will probably translate into some nice magic. That's oh my god, on. you're right. And you know what? It's it's not even mean because the goat's totally getting off yeah. and it gets to bang a chick. Yeah, the last moments on earth banging a, a human jerk. Oh, what yeah. more could you ask for? That's awesome. Yeah, that's a good plan. Let's let's do it that way. Actually, they just had a dartboard, and they're like, oh, girl, goat, orgasm, yeah. slit throat. That's it. Anyway, that's... That's magnificent. That's, that's, yeah. that's how magic happens. So, uh, um, <laughs> they uh, he went with her uh, to Italy to found his... Uh, uh, <laughs> to <laughs> found his abbey. Has mad yet? Get, getting there. We're getting there. <laughs> We're getting there. Sorry, I didn't mean to jump the gun. No, we'll, we'll get there. But um, this, yeah, this was around 1913. Uh, he goes to Chefalu, Italy, uh, which is in northern Sicily. There's this order that uh, uh, basically based to all uh, based off its stuff off his law. His, uh, what is, is it? Fanboys? Yeah. It, it's it's weird. I. I uh, I, I kind of got confused with this. The The order is called Ordo Templi Orientis, the OTO. This is another famous thing. It, it, it was based off the uh, the Thelemic um, uh, movement that he started. And they, they had an order sim- similar to Freemasonry, um, which they had you know degrees that you could attain, things like that. Now, he, he, he founds an abbey of Thelema, the, the magic that he started. It, based on the teachings of Iwas. But not necessarily the instructions. <laughs> right. Um, the the thing about uh, Thelema is it's kind of hard to pin down because it's not really a magical order. It's not really a religion. It's not really kind of a spiritual movement. It's it's kind of whatever you want it to it's be like, at the a, time. It's a commune. Yeah, you know. Hippies. You know. And and the uh, the funny thing is, 
it was uh, the thing that you're going to probably hear with um, Alistair Crowley's name everywhere is the the concept of do what thou wilt shall be the whole of the law. Yeah. Um, oh, that was cool. We said it at the same time, like like we're hippies. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but uh, this is uh, he 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 buys this place in in Sheffalu, uh in Sicily, and it basically is this. This place where everybody runs around naked and, and just whatever they want to do, they do it. And now that, and that's important. I, I mean, maybe we glossed over that. But that was that was the like instead of ten commandments, he's way smarter, way easier. This uh, the Iwas tells him <laughs> that the, the core of everything that, that he's about to dictate is do what thou wilt shall be the whole of the law. Yeah. Which if you're getting a message from God, saying do do what you do yeah, do do what you feel, man. That, is that the best thing you can get? How does it get better than that? I, I, I don't know. I mean, maybe sex with a goat. I haven't tried it. Right. And man, if you can get a, if you can get a throat slit in there somewhere. <laughs> but I mean, that's, that's you know, again, it, I mean, maybe that's the, the skeptical thing of me, but like, hi, hi, David Flora, it's me, it's God. Um, what? I just, I have a message for you. I've reached across the eons of time and space and dimensional rifts to get this to you. Keep on keeping on, brother. Do what you do. Oh, man. Remember how you felt bad about just spending that whole weekend playing Halo and eating frozen pizzas? Oh, yeah. It was entirely in accordance with my will. I can't believe it. Yeah. Oh, it's either incredible luck or or just uh, I knew all along. Exactly. Oh, God. I have so many questions. Yeah. Uh, Number one is where can I get a goat? Yeah, exactly. Hey, remember when you were stealing cable? Get back, back to it. Steal that cable. That is what I command you to do. So, so this order, um, like I said, it has these degrees that you can advance through, and he shoots up the ranks because he's right. already been advanced in every other secret society that he's been in. Why not? Yeah. Well, and um, also this is a society kind of based on his teachings. It's like it's like if somehow L. Ron Hubbard disappeared and then showed up at the Church of Scientology. I uh, imagine yeah. he's going to get a good office. Yeah. Yeah. He he'll he'll probably get. Uh, Get a bonus at the end of the year. Yeah, he's going to do all right for himself. He'll be all right. His feet levels will check out. And he, yeah, so he was a, in in like two years' time, he's advanced to the the 10th degree. Um, And I think he even, I think this was the the same one he even was like, you know what? I've I've attained something that uh, that you Jags can't, so I'm the 11th degree. I'm above even the highest level that you can be. So he spinal tapped the situation before spinal tapped it. He, he literally he, did. He jumped it up to an 11. He took it there. to 11. And he was placed in charge of uh, Great Britain and Ireland because of that, of the OTO. And uh, it was around this time he composed the, the Gnostic Mass, which is something that, that I think is still performed today yeah. uh, by occultists. He did that while he was on a trip in Moscow. And that, uh, yeah, I mean, that that was just one of the <laughs> one of the many orders he was uh, he was a part of and, and helped uh, out. Oh yeah, the uh, the baby girl that they had, uh, old Lola Zaza, died, of course. Sadly enough, yeah, um, it's the only way to get out before you're driven mad. And and uh, Leah Hersig uh, went mad. No way. I mean, she did. I mean, it was it was only after he, you know, kind of threw her to the wayside as well. They were never married, uh, anything like that. But well, why she... buy the goat? <laughs> <laughs> coat when you can just slit its throat <laughs> it during orgasm. Cover it in semen anyway. <laughs> but um, yeah, she uh, she went mad. Um, I, I mean, you, you got to feel bad for these people. They they kind of know what they're getting into, but at the same time, it's like, dude, you can't. 
I mean, you, it's, you can't you can't know what you're getting. Into. I mean, because here's the thing: like, oh. even as you said, like, even from his early life, like, obviously a very intelligent guy, sure, um, has has a, 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 a charm or charisma to him, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and and he's just he taking a skeptical point of view, like his own internal monologue is you're you're just above this just do whatever the hell you want yeah. whatever you think up is right is right by me man right and and so yeah you're just gonna like accumulate people ring them out like a cloth and keep on trucking yep and it's i mean it's it's kind of terrifying and spooky but but on the other hand right up to the madness these people enjoy the ride i i mean so it seems except for probably rose kelly she's yeah. she didn't seem like she was having a good time yeah well i don't know i mean the first the first Six months of the liquor was probably fun. <laughs> so, uh, after after the OTO things, uh, I mean, a, uh, Crowley dies in uh, nineteen forty seven. The OTO that that's that stuff, you know, uh, around the time of World War One, things like that. Nineteen the nineteen fifteen to nineteen twenty kind of stuff. His his lifestyle kind of starts catching up with him, and he runs out of money, which I mean. You, you probably see that coming. Yeah, you have yeah. to, which is you know maybe why you start trying to get disciples into your order, who pay you know I'm sure they pay membership fees and <laughs> they, well, you have to bring your own robe. That's <laughs> the first thing you need to understand. But um, he uh, he got so desperate for for money. He he moved to Paris. Uh, he got so de- desperate for money that he he tried to to sue someone that that he thought used him as as kind of their a basis for a character in a book that they wrote, which probably was true. They probably did do that. But the judge was so appalled at, you know, everything. That would completely work today, by the way. That would entirely work today. Yeah. Just people are not quite there back then. <laughs> yeah. But they, since he was, uh, you know, he had all this stigma around him and... You know, to a degree, he was he was living up to some of that stigma. The judge was like, "Nope, you know, you're not getting you're not getting crap from this." Yeah. Uh, and he couldn't pay for the legal fees. Things went bankrupt in uh, 1934. It, it he never really got back to that level of being the freewheeling leader of of all kinds of <laughs> uh, all kinds of crazy yeah. goings on. Uh, and mountain climbing and yoga and all that good stuff. I'm sure he was still getting laid plenty, though. He, you know what, he had, he was married twice. Rose Kelly was the first one, but uh, there was a second one, I think in in Paris maybe, he met uh, a girl named Maria Miramar, was married to her, but then uh, <laughs> was kind of like, af- after about a year or so, he's like, ah, oh, this, you're, you're, you got to get out of here. Yeah. They never, they never officially divorced, but they were definitely separated. And he went back to the United States, and he died in the United States, right? No, um, he he actually retired in uh, Netherwood in England, which is a, a boarding house mm-hmm. up there. He he retired there in, in 1945, and um, we we've kind of neglected to mention through all this stuff how much of how much he loved drugs. <laughs> he would he he'd kind of do anything that that could get him get him places. <laughs> yeah, even if yeah, he didn't he have to. Not, move. Yeah. Well, I mean, once you're into goat sex, I mean, why why say no to a pipe? Why would you? Do so that? so he he loved uh, the old hashish, the old cocaine, yeah, all, all kinds of stuff. The trick he learned in Mexico, <laughs> and then he uh, he got hooked on heroin 
basically from because his doctor prescribed it because you know back in the day it was Cat like medicine's yeah it was medicine. like oh oh you've got a headache take this cocaine you yeah know, you're you'll be fine um yeah he got on mescaline stuff like that but uh got addicted in his in his twilight years to to uh opium and, and heroin and it, it's kind of funny when i read stuff that obviously kind of you know, has a bias against him, and it's like, oh, drug fiend, Alistair Crowley, blah, blah, blah. Oh, yeah. And it's like, well, he was kind of experimenting with the drugs. He was seemingly doing that. And the heroin thing, the doctor told him to do that, you know. Yeah. He, is sounds, it... he sounds more like the grandpa character from Little Miss Sunshine. At my age, you're crazy not to do it. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, he... Uh... Uh, oh, I, I should mention also, he had five children. We, I think I, I've mentioned two. After Lola, he had um, Anne Leia Poopy. Then he Poopy. <laughs> she uh, was really, it was important that you pronounce it that way. And uh, uh, he had another girl, uh, I think it's Astarte Lulu Panthea, something something like that. I'm not, I'm not quite. And Jim Jan, Clibble Clonk, <laughs> Double Dutch, Oreos. Um, <laughs> that was her name. Uh, and then he he finally had a son, uh, whom he named Alistair Ataturk. So it was like uh, he in the end it was like oh he 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 got to he got to keep on there. Yeah. Now I'll to... say you know this is important. Uh, whilst we're listing Alistair Crowley's children, there there exists uh, what well, I believe to be far fetched, but uh, Alistair Crowley was actually uh, friends. With the parents of one Ms. Barbara Bush. Oh, that's that's there, one of the weirdo. There, there does exist, I suppose, things. the possibility, given the fact that Aleister Crowley liked to bang everyone, everyone, that it is it is possible that he is actually the father, the grand, yeah, the father of Barbara Bush, which means he'd be the grandfather of uh, Mr. Uh, George W. And yeah, the 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 theories about this one come from uh, in 1924 when he was living in Paris. He he met someone from the states named Pauline Pierce. I believe she was from the states, who who was visiting uh, a friend in Paris at the time that uh, that was good friends with uh, uh, Mr. Crowley. And um, eight months after Pauline Pierce got back from her trip to Paris, she had a baby named Barbara Pierce. That uh, that same baby, Barbara Pierce, later married a Mr. George H. W. Bush. Now this is this is all speculation. You know, there's there's nothing that I, I think they can do to probably prove this. The 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 only thing that I think people base this on, or, or one of the the biggest things, if you put a picture of Aleister Crowley around that time to a picture of uh, Barbara Bush, who's around, you know, if if you get one and they're about the same age, there there is a little bit of a similarity there. Yeah. You can. You know, and I don't know how much of that you... I mean, it's fun to want to see it. So right. I don't know if that's necessarily, you know, the oh, most... Oh, of course. You know, exacting thing. But it's it's interesting. It is very interesting. Yeah, that's one of the little uh, uh, neato tidbits. You know, something I actually dug up about the, the very latter years of his life is that there was actually a very brief and not, not direct, but overlap uh, of communication between Aleister Crowley and L. Ron Hubbard. Oh, I heard about the yeah. Because um, and it's and it's really interesting. And just reading about it, um, so many of like the great science fiction writers of of the the forties and fifties were actually also friends. Mm-hmm. You know, um, you know, Robert Heinlein and 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 some of these other uh, uh, authors were were all in communication with each other. So the uh, the OTO, there were some disciples in California 
and uh, one of them was Jack Kirby. No, that's the Batman guy. <laughs> um, Close. But uh, they, they they were friends, and L. Ron Hubbard was friends with a uh, a disciple of Aleister Crowley's. Okay. And uh, L. Ron Hubbard had already kind of hit into a rough spot in his life. He was given two commands in the Navy and was removed from both of them for then the exact reason getting he was unfit for command. Um, war ends, he comes back, he's got uh, an ulcer, a duodenal ulcer, he's, uh, he's injured, and he kind of plays up this injured war hero thing for sympathy and then occasionally money when he needed it. Sure. Ends up moving in with this guy Jack, and Jack had a girlfriend, and in very Crowleyan fashion, suddenly now, you know, Hubbard and this chick are together, and Jack's the odd man out. Mm. But they start doing magic, they start making up rituals together. And Jack ends up sending these letters back to Aleister Crowley, and they, they correspond regularly. Where he said, "I met this guy, and and he's right in sync with us. He's he's our kind of guy. I think he's got his own um, uh, a loss or, or something like that. He's got his own angel that is speaking to him, and what he's what he's saying he hears is right in line with what we're you know what we hear and what we know about. So I think that this guy is is really on the level, and we should really let him into to our, our circle because mm-hmm. I'm, I'm just so excited to have met this guy." And, uh, and Alistair Crowley, his reply was, that man is a thief and a cheat and a swindler and you're an idiot. <laughs> um, talking about L. Ron Hubbard. Talking about L. Ron Hubbard. He was like, he's doing nothing but taking all of your money. Flash forward six months later when he's suing L. Ron Hubbard for taking all of his money. Wow. Um, so I, there was, that was just a neat little coda that I thought that, that I think all mystics do share a couple of things sure. and that there was that, that weird overlap between those times. Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, it's interesting how his life seemed to, well, I, I, I should say, um, uh, Crowley died in, in 1947 and the, and there's a, a debate on either you know what happened at the time of his death or what his last words were yeah. uh, some people say he said i am perplexed those are his last words uh and some people say sometimes i hate myself is what is what he said one of his uh one of his old lovers at the time in fact i think one of the mothers of uh, the mother of his son said that there was a, a peal of thunder and a gust of wind at the time of his death on an otherwise quiet day Kind of thing, so you know, there's all that uh, Which, you know, legend. I'll tell you, like I find that both of those accounts of his last moments, or all three of them, really underwhelming. <laughs> for not... for somebody that you know was trying to summon, for all intents and purposes, the devil, right? You for were... somebody that that practi- that tried to do a six month black magic ritual. Yeah, yeah, like I would expect more than that. Like uh, you know, like really was he just kind of whining? Sometimes I hate myself. Ugh. I'm purple. Oh. Yeah. Like, I would expect something really great and nebulous, which is actually why, I mean, again, it lends more credence because it is so mundane. Uh huh. Uh huh. You know, like if he if he said, I have, I am peering through the veil and or, blackness threatens to overwhelm yeah, me. Yeah, and like he disappeared into shadow and fog or something like right. that. I, and... I pulled back the coverlet and it was covered in toads. You know, like... <laughs> oh, I hope I go that way. <laughs> 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 but um yeah and and that, i mean goats cost a lot more now than they did back but uh that's that's kind of the thing like for somebody that that lived such a crazy life you know and somebody that was smart and and really did like 
put put himself out there and, and just did lived life like like madhouse. He really had a, a crappy death. You know, his last few years, he was in a retirement home with he, he was just surrounded by you know lameness basically, and then the way he goes is just. I don't know, maybe drug induced hero, you know, yeah. a heroin fog kind of. It was like the Captain Kirk death. Ugh. He just falls off a platform and goes, "Oh my." <laughs> yeah. That was that was the captain. That wasn't Sulu. No, that's our Captain oh Kirk. My. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh my! my. <laughs> no, it was uh, yeah, it was, it was lame. It, but you know, truth be told, when you when you spend your life summoning the devil and cutting goat throats and flying around the world and driving men and women mad. Dying in a lame rest home, honestly, probably in the 90th percentile of outcomes. Yeah, that's true. I mean, that's not a bad way to go at the end of a life. That's true. Uh, I mean, yeah, you could you could uh, die in a fiery crash or go with some old folks uh, right. surrounding you. and High as a kite. High as a kite. End of your days. With your applesauce in front of you. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that's... Uh, uh, that that's Crowley in a, in a very long and, and large nutshell. It's a great nutshell, and you can now tell all of your friends that you know about it. The, yeah, and um, like I said before, this is uh, we we really didn't delve specifically into you know uh, many of the aspects of of this dude's life and what he did and accomplished. Well, it's it's almost impossible because you you almost have to do what we did here is just establish the baseline like timeline of his life. Because, I mean, his influences, I mean, and not even directly, it's not like he was telling people to do these things, but, like, people have been so uh, fascinated by him Mm -hmm. that in in musical references, I mean, the Rolling Stones, the Doors, the Beatles, Mm -hmm. the Led Zeppelin, Pink Floyd, Ozzy Osbourne, Osbourne, I mean, they all draw heavily on him as as an inspiration. I mean, uh, he's one of the, in the the Sgt. Pepper's album cover, you know, Mm -hmm. there's the hundred faces on there Alistair Crowley's on there on there I mean, top left hand corner if you're yeah. if you're looking his works of, of Thelema and, and getting that the magical practice and things like that started that has grown into modern day uh, Wicca you know and, and uh, the, the occult and magic that, that are performed today uh, grew out of a lot of these rituals and things that he he came up with yeah, it's, it's important yeah, to, to point out that he you know much like his buddy Elrond he, I mean, much less fiscally successful, but yeah. but there are still Thelemic orders in the world. Like oh, yeah. people still follow follow his path. You know, that's not a, a thing that died out with him. So he's got something of a of a of a, a cult legacy there. There were two crazy facts that I, I wanted to throw out there. One one of them, one of them was uh, the the story of when he was in New York and and practicing his magic in in his New York apartment. He opened apparently opened a portal and and summoned this entity known as Lam, which he was able to communicate with and even he, he even drew a sketch of of this and if you if you Google this or, or just look it up on the interwebs at all you'll you'll see this picture and a lot of people have compared it to uh, modern day Greys the the gray aliens that people talk about with the round heads, pointy chin, and the almost the insectoid eyes. Although Lom's eyes are kind of slit like, but this uh, yeah he he communicated with this uh, this creature, this entity, and um, you know there there are all, all kinds of parallels being drawn today with well that's you know that's a gray alien that was communicated it was interdimensional it was all this stuff. 
So, so we, we're, I mean, think about all of the areas of, of the supernatural that this man is able, I mean, he lived on Loch Ness. Yeah. Yep. He's perhaps described an alien. He's got, uh, he founded, you know, he's got a secret order, mm-hmm. some mm-hmm. symbols of which appear on the dollar bill. I mean, like, really, as far as a nexus for unexplained phenomena, this guy was able to stick his finger in about just about every pile. Oh, I don't think it was his finger. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, he, he, he was. He, he really was um, touching on a lot of stuff and, and traveled everywhere, basically. I mean, I guess you get yeah. the money. I, I would travel, too. But Well, I'll tell you what. Despite all of the occult work, uh, the writing and everything, his, his real passion was hunting Squatch. Hunting <laughs> Squatch. <laughs> uh, um, what the the other the other weird thing I found was, and this this is another one of those things that's like, yeah, this may be made up. <laughs> his first juicy gossip, juicy gossip of Victorian era. Oh, his first sexual encounter, he, uh, he he popped his cherry with a family maid, uh, a housemaid. Of course, All right? Classic. And and this was uh, this was kind of to get back at his mom. He he, the, I think he he banged her on her bed. You know, hey his mom's mom, bed. I'm <laughs> doing it. Uh, <laughs> this this maid was dismissed uh, because of this, basically. And um, there there's a there's a theory or a, a, the thought out there that says she turned out to be the first victim of Jack the Ripper. In uh, I guess 1888 or so, but uh, I thought that was a that's kind of a weird thing. It seems like every every woman that he he touches with his uh, his genitals either goes mad or gets killed or and, something. <laughs> and, and you know, and I guess that's the 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 moral the moral of it is that you know for for anyone listening who is in the child care profession or perhaps in hospitality, do not bang the child of your employer. That's that's true. There is a cautionary tale in that. That's true, especially if, that. if his nickname is the Beast. Yeah, don't bang the Beast. <laughs> at least, at least in Victorian area yeah. era, the, the the Beast is not a roller coaster you want to ride. <laughs> 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 anyway, um, so that's that's uh, that's Crowley. That's uh, large, Crowley large the crap out of Crowley. No, large nutshell. Um, go forth and, and be happy with with that knowledge uh, if you've if you've stuck around and we thank you if you have uh, but we come to the to the portion of the podcast which uh, we we would like to uh, institute this fun fun section yeah so is it a palate cleanser palate cleanser if you will we're gonna we're gonna uh, come up with uh, a couple of puns uh, based on our topic and our, our topic today obviously Alistair Crowley uh, we're gonna come up with with our top two puns businesses yeah these are gonna be businesses that that are based on Alistair Crowley and, and yeah. his life and, and works so let's see here <laughs> okay so my uh, first pun my first business based on Alistair Crowley is a bakery called the Bake of the Law. Nice. Okay. All right. Uh, I've got a, uh, a do-it-yourself beer store called Brew Without Wilt. Nice. Brew Without Wilt. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, my second pun, it's going to be a nightclub called Techno T.O. Oh, nice. Don't you want to dance at that place? Yeah, Techno. Techno T.O. Techno O-T-O? You're going to have to work out the punctuation and, on that. And the bouncer, if, if you can't see the name, you don't get in. Oh, nice. I like that. That's exclusive. That's what people <laughs> it's like. It's exclusive. 
All right, I've got, uh, uh, how about a boutique occult uh, fashion store called Thalema and Louise? <laughs> yep. Um, yep. And, it, and once again, uh, you will end up going mad and killing yourself. Driving off yeah, of the cliff. A, an emotional cliff. If, if you don't cliff. find the pants that fit, then drive. <laughs> <laughs> you can drive off a cliff. <laughs> Uh, so, so what we'd like you guys to do, uh, is to email us. Yeah, this ain't no free ride. Yeah. <laughs> give us, uh, give us, give us some, uh, ego points here, uh, for ourselves. Email us at blurryphotospodcast.org with your best pun yeah. based on uh, a business, um, Based on Aleister Crowley and his words, and don't don't be intimidated by the phrase "best pun." Sure, sure. Let's just say pun. Just give us a pun because it's it's hard to say no, guys. I've got a really good pun. <laughs> you can't I even pretty, say it. Although I was pretty pleased with Brew with that well. So yeah, uh, give us a, give us a pun, uh, and we uh, we'll we'll pick out um, one or two that we really like and. Uh, we'll read them on the yeah, the well, next podcast. Yeah, for for right now, you'll have to settle for acknowledgement. But when, sure, when when we're rich and ridiculous, and we can afford our own goats, <laughs> we'll, then we'll we'll send something your way. Yeah, something we may you send you a goat. We'll keep your name on a list. Okay, that's that's never mind. We're, we're we'll protect your anonymity even from ourselves. Yeah, I mean we're we're not gonna be yeah. But uh, so yeah, the, do do that. Uh, follow us on Twitter. Uh, and our Twitter handle is blurry underscore photos. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can find all this uh, on our website, blurryphotos.org. Mm-hmm. And uh, um, yeah, if you have any any other questions or, or uh, uh, comments or anything you'd like to send our way, yeah. uh, email us there again. Let us know what you would like to hear about. Yeah. Because, I mean, we're here for you. We we're doing this uh, uh, get that information in, inside your head, mm-hmm. not not just on a, a a page on the interwebs. You're gonna be so glad when you have to carpool with a stranger. You'll have something to talk about, and then she banged the goat, and then he slit the goat's throat. Golden you'll conversation never have to topics. Carpool with strangers again. <laughs> You're welcome. Oh, anyways, uh, so this has been uh, blurry photos. Uh, I am David Flora, and I shall ever remain David Scott. And we hope you enjoyed, and uh, we'll talk at you next time. Bye.